Teresa, I have some feedback for you on your Schmanners performance. Okay. You're doing great. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. I like this <laughs> energy you're bringing. The people at home can't see it. This is why sometimes it's a bummer that podcast is a visual medium. As Teresa said, it's extraordinary etiquette. She was like bouncing her head with the words. It's extraordinary etiquette. It made me really happy and I appreciate it. Um, I, you know, pre- I, think I appreciate that, everything you I do, I think Teresa. that some of those things, you know, you can hear them. You, you can? Know, you can hear a smile. No, I agree. I, I think maybe we talked about this on the phone etiquette episode that like when you smile, when you talk on the phone, people can tell there's yeah. a difference. Um, good morning, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome once again to Schmanners HQ, to the Schmanners Dome, as I have often called it. Um, definitely called it that before now. Um, we've got the, oh, just another great episode. Um, just killing some time here. Thank you of an intro. I don't have it, so you are waxing prophetic here. <laughs> yeah, a little more like waxing pathetic. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that no, means. No, um, so this this episode uh, is pretty near and dear to my heart. Okay, um, as most of the episodes are. But this is uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about critique, and we kind of went back and to give you a little uh, BTS, a little behind the scenes, folks. We went back and forth on how to labeled this at first we thought like the history of critics and we talked about like calling it criticism and we settled on the art of critique because i think that sometimes criticism and maybe justifiably so criticism has a lot of baggage you hear criticism and you think like cruel judgmental right uh when you think about criticism by itself, it can be uh, rather negative. But then you put the constructive in front of it, and it becomes something a little easier to handle. Um, but I didn't want to just say constructive criticism, um, because I think that it's it's quite obvious that uh, it, it is polite to give constructive criticism when asked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to label it the art of critique, because I think it's important to make a distinction, especially in these uh, these days of the internet, that in order to be a critic... Oh, wait, let me back up. <laughs> Anyone can give criticism. Anyone can cook. Right. Okay. But to be a critic, you need something else. What you need... A pen. No. <laughs> what you need are two things knowledge of your subject and taste okay, okay. The, if i may the the reason that i definitely that i said this is close to my heart is i have a lot of strong feelings on uh, these days i think people hear critic and think a critic's job is to tear something apart right it is not a critic's job is to love whatever it is they're critiquing. So if it's theater or food or ballet, who knows, or literature, whatever, to love the art form more than they love the creators, okay? Because if they, if they love the art form, 
you're you're able to use your quote critical eye, so your knowledge and your taste to discern whether or not a specific piece of whatever it is you're critiquing is good, right? Um, because the word critic is borrowed from the Latin, is borrowed from the Greek, so it's it's very old. Um, and like I said, anyone can criticize. But in order to be a critic, you must have the knowledge and the taste to make a meaningful judgment. That's, I think that's a really good distinction because I think that too often these days, one of oh, the internet is a double-edged sword. And one of the things that I love most about it is that it has given a voice to people who don't normally have a voice. I think we talked about that in the social media episode. The things like Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr right, and that, or, all that. Or even Amazon. Yeah. Amazon reviews. Exactly. iTunes reviews. It has given people a voice who would normally. So we're getting so much of a better idea of people's likes and dislikes and what your audience actually wants and all that stuff. But I think it has also blurred the line between fan and critic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I see too often people who think like, well, I'm not I can't just like something. I have to like dissect it and find what's wrong with it. And it's my job as a quote unquote critic to find what's wrong with it. And and I think that that's a really difficult line to walk because I think it is your job to critique and be a, and have an honest un not unfiltered, but unblinded. Well, you don't want the rose-colored glasses on. Exactly, exactly. But it is not your job to take a thing that everyone loves and say, "Ah ha ha." This is why it's awful. Exactly. Well, I think that I think that one of the things that that points to is the idea that negative criticism is fun to read. Yeah, it's it, also easier. It's so, easier. It's a lot easier to point out things that are wrong rather than elevate things that are great mm-hmm. because well, that's not interesting. I mean, it's think of it in terms of like uh, uh, like reality shows. It's way more fun to have people to watch people have fights. You know what I mean? And, exactly. and fighting is easy. All you have to say is you look stupid. <laughs> but right. You're going. But I would I would caution anyone who um, who takes internet reviews seriously. And when I buy something, I do. But I also do a lot of behind the review research. Um, sometimes I take a look at what other things the reviewer has reviewed or bought. Um, like Yelp, for example. If you come across a Yelp review, something to the effect of, uh, this bar was really loud and the food wasn't very good. Okay, well, take a look at the description of the bar. Does it say that they often have loud music and that they serve greasy pub food? Well, you get the, what you pay for. That was that was the mistake of the person going. That's not the thing that they like. So, of course, they're going to give this bar a poor review. But if you like greasy food and you like loud music, you're going to love this place. Um, so you, you need to go on not only what the reviewer says, but what they have said about other things i also think it's important to note um this is more for the um i guess i should say amateur critic but scales are very important you know a five-star review i was thinking about this the other day i have lots of podcasts and there's lots of itunes reviews and like the difference between a five-star four-star three-star two-star and one-star review is is it's important like if you don't like something 
that should be, I, in my opinion, like a three-star review. If you hate something, that should be like a one. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, it represents. Yeah, like, there, it's not. It, the scale doesn't start at zero. Exactly. Which and, is a neutral. And it also isn't. It isn't an on-off switch. Right. You know what I mean? I think about that a lot um, because I know lots and lots of people that work in, like, reviews industries, be it movies or video games or whatever. Hmm. And they often get their own criticism based on what score they give things or what number they give to things. But that's, like, their job and that it's interesting. There's a great, like, uh, there's an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 where I want to say the movie is Laser Blast. In fact, I'm almost positive it's Laser Blast. <laughs> and as the credits are rolling at the end, they go through Leonard Moulton's book. To, all right, may, maybe it's Leonard Moulton. But anyways, comparing the number of stars that he gave that movie and other movies that he gave that same number of stars to. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting if you think about like, well, what else did he give one and a half stars to? And it's like Jaws or whatever. And it's like right. the, the scales are very tricky. But basically what you're giving in a scale is some kind of sense of comparison. You know, rather than just saying good or bad, what you're saying is, is it worth your time? Not necessarily some hard and fast. I used to judge um, speech and debate competitions. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard because you're being subjective. It's like the most subjective thing. And so one person's score might be different from another person's score based on how you felt they were performing compared to their ability. You know, as you were saying, like, if I go to McDonald's, I'm going to judge that food differently from going to, like, a five-star restaurant. Exactly. Um, And speaking of food, (laughs) uh, that's a great segue. Because a critic that I would like to highlight, um, as as luck may have it, is one of the first food critics. Because I like food. We all do. Do you like food? Most humans need it to survive. Um. So, in the early 19th century, a Parisian named... Excuse me? Oh, a Parisian. All right. I thought the name was a Parisian. No. A man of Paris named Alexandre Balthazar Laurent Gimreau de la Renere. I was wondering how long that was going to go. Five solid names. One for each star. We're going to call him Gimreau. Okay. All right. He invented, he is credited with inventing the restaurant review um, and is called one of the founding fathers of modern gastronomic discourse. Is this the fellow that they talked about on uh, Supersizers? He did. Yeah. He was the guy. Um, uh, and if you're not familiar with Supersizers, you should definitely Supersizers watch Supersizers Go, Supersizers Eat, I think is the two series. Anyways. Anyway. It's on Hulu. Um, Check it out. It's one of our faves. <laughs> He is the guy uh, when they had the black dinner. That was a, a recreation. Uh, remember when everything was black and the pig was at the table? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Um, that was a recreation of one of his uh, weekly meetings. Um, and all of the food in that series was a black food. So it was flavored with chocolate or squid ink or, or things like that. Um, he actually established the convention of anonymity. Right. So sometimes wearing a disguise to a restaurant. Um, Wait, which makes a lot of sense if you think about like food preparation, because you're trying to get them at what their average everyday performance is and not like 
there's a reviewer here, so like make sure everything's perfect because that's not what the average customer is going to experience, um, you know, dining at that restaurant. Right. Um, so he created a jury of about 17 gourmand friends who met weekly, like I said, weekly dinners to taste food and rate restaurants. And he reported all their verdicts in a book called Almanac, but spelled the French way. Yeah, spelled really <laughs> French. It was just super French, y'all. Uh, and those were published once a year from 1802 to 1813. Um, so what was in this, this Almanac? Uh, it was the full list of Parisian restaurants, and it offered advice from everything to table manners to how to remove stains on table linens, and it profiled his favorite restaurateurs and chefs. So you have to you have to think about the timing of all this. Um, this is a time when the restaurant is really coming into its own. People of you know are are moving to cities in record numbers. Um, restaurants are popping up in, in every every street corner. Um, and it was hard to know what was good. So there was really kind of a uh, an empty market for the food critic. And, you know, I think that that's the thing that has continued forever. Because you think about Yelp. Yelp's the same way. Like, the number of options presented to us now as we're able to, you know, drive and order food and all of mm-hmm. these different options, it can be overwhelming. So having... Um, well, I guess in this case, crowdsourced opinions, but um, having some kind of basis to help you make decisions as far as where to dine seems like it is an ongoing need. I don't ever see it kind of going away. Right. Um, and he published a second book called Manual. Almanac 2. No, Manual for Hosts, um, although that's not the French pronunciation that's no, a manual for hot no wait that's not the right accent at all <laughs> no. where was i from where am i i have no idea um and this was based on material from the almanacs published so far so it was kind of like uh best hits gotcha. almost so all those restaurants and stuff um needless to say he didn't make a lot of friends no that yeah or the life of the critic uh. so much so uh, that people accused him of taking bribes for favorable reviews. Um, and at that point, it got so bad, he had to discontinue the almanac and fake his own death and funeral. Whoa, get out of the town. Coincidentally, he wanted to see how many people showed up. Not very many. No, no. <laughs> no, no. He and Huck just hit up in the rafters to watch. Uh he did uh, actually live to a ripe old age, um, but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh, of um, events that really happened after he left Paris. So after he faked his death um, and left Paris, he still had a ton of money, but nothing really to do with it. Um, and he died on Christmas Day, uh, eighteen thirty-seven, at the age of eighty. You know, in general, I think that that is pretty indicative of like the the interesting conundrum, the the uh, a double-edged sword of the critic, which is people rely on your opinions. People like to read, you know, especially if we're talking about like more expensive items, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like we value I, a critic's opinion. We just bought a high chair and it was not cheap. 
And I really reviewed all of these high chairs. Like I went in depth. I read. I went to websites. Um, I went back and forth. And still, as valuable as a lot of those critiques were, it's I still- kind of didn't like it. Didn't like doing it. You know, well, yeah, you didn't like thing. reading like, it. Because you, you, you value their opinions. But it's also like if so, like if you love, you know, movie the movie. Right. And then you read a critic's opinion about it. Or if you're trying to decide if you want to go see movie the movie and you've already kind of decided you want to, but you want to read reviews first. There's something about reading somebody's critique that makes you want to disagree with them. Especially in this day and age, as I said, where there's so many opportunities for us to offer reviews, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. And so it ends up like you eat like critiques are both a valued commodity and also kind of a hated resource of like, well, what do you know? Shut up. (laughs) And it's like, well, uh, you read it. Nobody made this is in general, I think, thing to think about critics is critics are a tool to use. They are a resource, a reference. And I think in general, this is, doesn't just apply to like, uh, you know, movie reviews, video game reviews, book reviews. This is also like if a friend reads your novel and gives you feedback on it. It is a resource that if you choose to use, that's what it's available for. But no one ever said you had to. Like if, if a movie reviewer gives a bad review to a movie and you still want to see the movie... Go see the movie. Exactly. I would like to leave you with a couple of quotes from our friend, the gourmand. Um, here's one. In France, people know 685 different ways of preparing eggs. Fair enough. <laughs> and then uh, a little more apropos, this one. Life is so brief that we should not glance either too far backwards or forwards. Therefore, study how to fix our happiness in our glass and in our plate. Let me ask you a question. As far as this kind of critic goes, restaurant critic, film critic, you know, professional critics, what are your thoughts on it as an industry resource to help improve the form and function of the thing versus a consumer resource to help decide? So, like, we've both worked in theater a lot of times, Mm -hmm. and a critic review can both be useful for the creator to improve their work but also for the consumer to decide whether that work is worth their time. Exactly. Um, but then again, you still need to know about the critic. Um, I won't name names, but there are on occasion people who critique things they don't like. Um, and if you know that about the critic, you can say, oh, well, they didn't like this, but they don't like anything, so... Maybe it's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's, that's maybe the way I think about it sometimes is like we talked about like the expos in the, in the cons episode is that sometimes critics are, are best used as an industry resource. Yeah. You know, like they I think maybe that to me is the most important role of the critic is to help shape the industry and to help give like an informed feedback opinion on the art form itself. Yes. That then if consumers want to, fine, that's, it's all there for you. Go for it. But like when it comes down to it, the real impact you're having as a critic is on the creator. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a critic, you can dissect the minutia, right? 
But if you're just a consumer, you're really voting with only your dollars, and that's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yeah. Um, you either buy it, and they and the creator says, "Well, people must like it," or you don't buy it, and they say, "Well, nobody really likes it." Well, and that's the thing. There's lots of things I can think of that have been huge money makers where everybody's like, "Yeah," but I mean, it's kind of garbage. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We know, like, artistically, mm-hmm. it is not you know satisfying but everybody likes it and that's okay that's like it's it's not always about how innovative and perfect how beautiful sometimes it's just about fun and that's okay too which i think that that is a thing that sometimes in uh uh all forms of critique but more in like the semi-pro amateur area it's like it's okay for something to just be fun um, I agree. I see it a lot where somebody says like, oh, I love this TV show or I love this band. And somebody on Twitter is like, well, that's garbage. Like, yeah. Maybe I like garbage. Yeah, I like garbage. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love Twinkies. Um, not not everything can be uh, not everything can be steak. Sometimes it's Twinkies and that's OK. Steak is my highest form of food. <laughs> um, so uh, anything else we want to talk about in general before we head to questions? OK, great. We're going to take a short break. And then we'll be back to answer some of your questions. Are you easily confused by terms like cultural appropriation, cisgender, and woke? Or maybe you find yourself constantly explaining terms like these and you need a place to vent. Do you have a love for all things pop culture, social commentary, and politics? Sounds Sounds like like you you need need Minority Minority Corner. Corner! Where you can learn, laugh, and play. Sounds like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, gay, and ladylike. James and Aneke will happily administer your weekly dose each and every Friday. You can listen on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Minority Corner. With a K. Because the C was taken. So the 2017 Max Fun Drive was a huge success. Thank you so much to everyone who joined or upgraded during the drive and to all of our amazing monthly members. To celebrate, we're giving our $10 and higher monthly members the chance to buy additional enamel pins with the profits going to our friends at the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. What? Yeah. The sale runs April 26th through May 3rd and it's your last chance to get your hands on these sweet pins. $10 monthly members should receive a link and a code in their email on April 26th, so keep an eye on your inbox and get your denim jacket ready. For more information, visit MaximumFun.org pins. And thank you again. Okay. So, um... I, I was unsurprised by this, but we got lots and lots and lots of questions about this one. So uh, we're probably not going to be able to do them all, but we'll try to do as many as we can. Since when have we been able to do all the questions? Excellent, excellent point. So this one is uh, from Jorge, possibly George. I'm going to say George. Okay. <laughs> um, George asks, how can I honestly, constructively respond to my good friends, so what do you think, after they've shown me their horrible short film without sounding like a patronizing, disingenuous butt face? Okay. So, basically, they want to know, how do I give constructive feedback? Yeah, more or less. Um, there are a couple of methods. 
Um, first of all, uh, I recommend using the sandwich method, or as I called it in, in college, roses and thorns, right? So you, every rose has a thorn, but thorn bushes also grow roses, right? So you want to start with a positive comment and then sandwich that with something that needs improvement. And then at the end, finish off about another thing that's positive. So, for example, short film. I liked how short it was. <laughs> I can see how much work you've put into this. Think about, would have you thought about switching these two sequences? It would make it even more fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, the important thing about constructive criticism, and I think the word to focus on is constructive, mm -hmm. and I think about that in the terms of, like, building. So it's not enough to say, this is the problem. Right. It, you have to say, this is the problem, and this is my suggestion, because I, nothing frustrates me more than when someone says, I didn't like this thing. And it's like, okay, so what would you suggest I do then? Because I did it the best way I know how. Mm -hmm. So you just telling me there's a problem doesn't help me at all. And I think that that maybe is a good way to think about constructive criticism, which is if you don't have an alternative solution, don't bring it up because otherwise you're just saying it's bad. Right. And like, that's not as helpful. Uh, another suggestion would be, or another way to offer constructive criticism would be to ask the person to rate themselves. So if someone says, what do you think of my short film? You can say, well, how would you rate it? What would you say it is? That's an excellent, okay, let me offer a uh, similar vein idea along that same line. If someone asks you to watch something they've been working on or read some, or whatever, before you start, say to them, what would you like me to look for? Great. That's right. a good way of asking them to kind of um, look into their own uh, level of insight, their own deficiencies. Yeah. And so that way you also know, like, you know what they are looking for, uh, you know, help on what they think might be a problem. So that way, it, it, because I think that in general, there is an issue in this exchange. I Personally, I am of the opinion that friends should not critique each other's work. I, I think that is a good idea. You need to know where your bias lies. Yeah. You know, are you more interested in being well-liked or giving honest feedback? Um, because if you're interested in being well-liked, your feedback probably shouldn't be that honest. Well, and not only that, like unless... unless the person you're talking to is a professional in that field or someone who professionally like critiques and helps people with their work. Like you're both just setting yourself up for frustration because what's going to happen is the person's going to say, it's great. I loved it. I, I have, this goes back to the, the idea of the critic, you know, yeah. needs knowledge and taste in order to make a meaningful judgment. That knowledge is really important. So if you don't have any knowledge in the, in filmmaking, Perhaps you can just say, you know, I don't really know that much about it. I I enjoyed the film, but I can't give you feedback because I don't understand how to do it. This it actually ties in. We've got a question from Melissa that I definitely wanted to touch on. What are your thoughts on the statement? 
it is cruel to lie to someone about how good they are at something. And I wanted to bring this up because I have very strong feelings about this. Um, as a person who grew up doing theater and got my degree in theater, I have seen lots and lots and lots of people who, and there's no nice way to say this, but I will try to say it politely. Um, there are people who had no sense of their abilities until like way too late in life and like it wasn't until they were like 20 or 21 before a professor finally said like you're not going to make it at this mm -hmm. and here's the thing that's maybe it's one of those things where when you think about any kind of critic or feedback it's all personal preference that teacher doesn't know that professor doesn't know because there are lots of people who have made it in random various fields where you never would have expected them to but I've seen too many people spend their whole lives with people like, you're great at this because they wanted to be nice and they wanted to, the, to make the person happy. And that's a really, really tricky, that's a sticky wicket because you want to be nice. But if somebody's really trying to perfect an art form, just saying, it's great, I, I wouldn't change a thing, doesn't really help. I, but I, I do think that it is important to take timing into account. Um, for instance, in theater, it is hard to give someone, it, unless you're the director and then it's your job, but it's hard to give someone notes or feedback opening night. Yes. They've already rehearsed it. It's already up. Like they've already done it this way. And the, the chances that they're going to be able to change things um, are are pretty slim and a director is always is always responsible for trying right um so in that at that point i believe that it's crueler to tell them honestly oh defo i i agree with that because there there's just no way that they're going to be able to 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 fix it in the way that you want because it's already in their body they've already rehearsed it I, I think that really what it comes down to for kind of both these questions and a lot of these like my friends stuff questions is like, I don't think friends should give critique because they are too likely to just be nice and be afraid to actually say anything that might be constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And I also think that friends should not ask their friends for critique because I think I'm of the opinion that if you do that, it's because on some level you're afraid of actually getting criticism. So you're seeking out people that you think will just say, we'll be this nice. is great. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are tons of resources, um, be it classes you could take, professors, uh, actual critics, people who will review your work that you could go to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that if somebody asks you to review a thing and you're not comfortable doing it, you should just say, because I think what happens too often is you say, oh, yeah, definitely. And then you hope that they don't bring it up again. And I think it's way better to say, like, well, I'd love to read it, but I don't know that I'm comfortable giving feedback on it. But I am I mean, if I find time to read it as a friend, I'd love to, but I'm not comfortable giving critique on this. Right. Um, This is. Uh, oh, this is a good one. This is from Sarah. Is there a rule of thumb for deciding whether a critique is a valuable comment or just a personal preference? Um, I think that one thing that you can you can go on is good criticism focuses on the situation 
and a thing that can be improved. Whereas bad criticism focuses on a person and an attribute, right? Um, you wouldn't, you shouldn't say to someone, you're really boring when they're giving a presentation, right? You say to tell a person that they're boring and then not give any kind of reasons why that's bad criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, a good thing would be you can say, first you, you know, talk about the good things and then you can say, I thought some points could be more concise you were allotted 30 minutes and you went over by 10. So take a look at where you can cut from the presentation. Great. That is good feedback. Someone just saying you're really boring. This presentation was boring and I fell asleep. Yeah. Not good feedback. So good criticism focuses on the situation and how to improve. And bad criticism focuses on the person's attributes. I also think if we're speaking as far as like art form and creative endeavors, so much of that comes down to the creator's intention that if somebody says a thing that you disagree with, don't take it. Exactly. Like if if somebody says like, oh, I think you should use red instead of blue there. And you're like, no, No. then don't (laughs) do it. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. I think the thing to think about when you're getting artistic critique is think along these lines. If after I have published or made this work public and somebody said this thing about it, once it was actually out in the world, would I feel embarrassed that I hadn't thought of that? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then don't do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because not everybody's going to like everything. And if you try to make, a, if you try to make a piece of art that everyone will like based on everyone's feedback, you're going to end up with like a gray cube, which might actually be kind of cool. But you're going to end up with the most like boiled down weird version of the thing rather than your original intention. Sure. We touched on this a little bit, but I think we can go a little bit more in depth. Jason asks, in general, how can you... How do you think one can ensure that their critique is constructive? What distinguishes constructive versus destructive criticism? And like I said, I think offering uh, suggestions. Um, There's also things like, think about, can they do anything about? I saw saw a theater review once where one of the critics' um, problems was the height of one of the actors. Yeah, and there's nothing that anybody can do about that. Yes. Like, okay, great. Yeah. Making yeah. sure that the, that it is something that can be changed is a really great idea. Um, also, the, here are some, some physical things you can do. You can make a comment on an issue instead of the person, right? So you can say, the clothes are dirty, not you are dirty, right? So because... The clothes is something that a person can take off and change. Those are now clean, right? Right. Um, you also make try and make suggestions or um, not suggestions. Try and make comments in a passive voice because it, it sounds less accusatory. So instead of, you know, we were talking about the presentation earlier, you gave a bad presentation. That's very accusatory. Where the passive voice of that is the presentation you gave was bad. Yeah, I also think, though, to that point, 
uh, it's sometimes when you are receiving criticism, you can be overwhelmed by too many things. Mm -hmm. So maybe what you want to think about as the person giving the suggestions, what's like three main things, maybe five main things that you think need to be addressed. Because like, if it's the circumstance where it's like, this whole thing is garbage, like pick five moments and bring that up rather than just like, do you have two hours? Cause <laughs> right. I also think that ask questions. What were, what was your intention with this scene? What were you trying to get across with this dialogue? What were you thinking? You know, what, what did you want the audience to feel about this character? That kind of thing. And let them answer it because mm -hmm. sometimes it might just be that they haven't thought about that moment. They've been thinking about the 99 other moments. Exactly. And that way, letting them come to the answer. You see that a lot. A lot of really great directors will ask questions rather than just give notes. My favorite are the, the directors who ask the question and say, I don't want you to answer me. Just think about it. And like that lets the actor kind of note themselves. It's like guided notes. I think that that is way more useful than the director going, I don't want your character to do this. It's exactly. Like, well, now I'm acting your character. It's not as good. Um, and we do a lot of our um, our examples in, in theater. I yeah, guess. That, our, that's just our, our experience. Yeah. Um, Breezy asks, or statement? No, asks, I'm terrible <laughs> at accepting critique and have a hard time not viewing it as an attack. Do you have any tips on how to deal with that? Certainly. Um, so you want to, uh, one of the things that we almost always say is to breathe. When someone gives you a criticism... Take a breath and just try not to react for just a second because your your first reaction is almost always going to be defensive because you like the thing that you've made, yeah. obviously, or you wouldn't have made it. Um, so number one, breathe, breathe and, and take a breath, like just stop for a second. And then I would suggest that you you try and remember in the moment that you want to improve, that you want it to be good, that feedback is important, um, that it gives you another another way of looking at things. Um, and then once you have taken your breath and reminded yourself that this is this is a good thing, then you can actively listen. And I think that this is where the uh, the questions really come in. If if the person who is critiquing you isn't asking questions, ask them questions get them to clarify try and get to the heart of the matter so if someone critiques your work and says well i just i don't really like the colors right you can go and say what is it about the colors do they make you feel something different is it offensive to your eye like all kinds of things so that you know really pinpoint the specifics of of their critique so that's active listening going back and forth trying to figure it out um, and then I would suggest that you thank them for their feedback. Yes. Um, even if you're not going to take it because it's hard to give criticism, it's almost as hard to give criticism as it is to take it. I think it's a little harder to take it. Uh, but you should thank them. Um, they've taken the time to critique something and hopefully you've asked them to critique it. If you're not looking for feedback, don't ask people for real. Well, th that... <laughs> I want to jump in real quick to say how very important that is because so often 
this happens in theater. It is our touchstone. But like someone will be getting feedback that, that they've asked for mm-hmm. and then will try to defend their decisions or defend the thing. Right. And it's like, no, you you asked me, this isn't a discussion about you asked me to give you feedback on it. Because here's here's the very, 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 very important thing that I will reiterate about criticism and critique. It is completely 100% subjective. And so ask someone for their feedback, register it, listen to it, thank them for it, then on your own, decide if and how you want to incorporate it. Exactly. Because the thing is, I think too often people take critique badly because they forget that it is subjective because it feels in that moment like, well, I guess everything I've done is bad because this person said so. But Mm -hmm. that's one person out of billions and billions of people on the earth. And so I think that if it is an opinion that you trust and that you respect, you know, that's why you went to this person to get their feedback, take it in, then decide how you want to use it. Right. But there is no such thing as objective truth when it comes to like critiquing art and critiquing that kind of thing. And and even if it's like, a boss critiquing how you wrote a report like okay great maybe i don't have time to completely redo this whole thing so what it actually seems important what is the actual actionable critique that i've received exactly um and if this is a work situation i would suggest that you ask for a time to follow up right um so that in your work environment the person who is critiquing you can see that you have made improvements in the, in the way that they see things. So like you said, if, if you're writing a report for a boss, if you ask for a time to follow up, this makes the person feel like they've been heard, right? And even if you don't change every single thing that they said, for them to see some of the improvements that they asked for is a, is a really good thing, especially in a work environment. Um, the other side of it, though, that I'll say is don't say stuff like, oh, I know, you're right, yeah. I, I, yeah, I knew that was bad, especially, especially, well, one, don't do that because it will make your critiquer, your reviewer feel guilty, mm-hmm. feel like they're beating you up. But also I see that a lot before the reviewer has even finished their point. Like the person is very self-conscious about a thing. So while the person's trying to offer them constructive criticism, they just hear criticism and go, oh, I know, you're right, you're right, it's so dumb. Oh, I should just cut it. It's like, no, 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 let me finish my point on it, and then we'll actually get, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's where the sandwich is really important, because yeah. if you start off with a rose, you start off with the good thing, then you can sneak that bad thing in there, and hopefully, if this person has taken my advice, they've taken a breath, and they can see where um, the the improvement is maybe not necessary, but Im- improvement can be had. You know? I think this, is, like you said, say thank you, because mm-hmm. I think that being grateful for criticism is way better than apologizing for criticism yeah. or being angry at criticism, but say thank you and then ignore it if you want to, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, don't apologize. Don't apologize to someone you didn't hurt unless your play physically hurt them. <laughs> don't apologize for criticism. Um, Let's see. Let's do one more question. Um, 
This is from William, and I think I like the honesty of this question. Is there a way of asking for critique that makes it obvious that you're just actually looking for praise? Hmm. I mean, I guess I could. Ha. Huh. Hmm. The, Do you have an idea? <laughs> well, yeah, William, here's the thing, and everybody, ask for what you want. This is a thing that I, I preach heavily. Ask for what you want, and you're way more likely to get it. I think it's perfectly fine to say, I'm very self-conscious about this, and and I'd love for you to take a look at it and tell me what you like about it. And, like, okay, you know what I mean? So that's it's blunt, but, like, the fact of the matter is, I so I will say that I, I have sat down to try to write many, many things. And what always happens is I get about a page of it written and then think, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? This is not good. Because it's so very easy to psych yourself out of that kind of thing. And it's easy to forget that, like, creating something is a process. It's an ongoing process. And you're never going to get it right on the first draft. So if you find yourself in a moment of, like, I need positive feedback, I think it's completely fine to go to somebody. This is where a friend does, is, like, a really great go-to resource to say, hey, I've hit a point where, like, I'm getting really self-conscious about this. Could you take a look at it and tell me that I'm not like on the wrong track? Mm -hmm. Right. And so maybe they will have some suggestions to add, but it definitely indicates to them of like, I, I need, I'm looking for positive reinforcement right you now. You could also say, what was your favorite part? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I already know what's wrong with that. Please tell me what's right with that. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe that is the way to go to say something along the lines of like, let me know where I'm headed in the right direction. You know what I mean? So that way you know what to kind of build on. Um, I, I will, I'm going to end on this question, though, because we started talking about the compliment sandwich. So let's sandwich it. Um, Rini asked, how do you keep a compliment sandwich from sounding forced? This is a tough one. This is tough. I think that it really does have to be genuine. Um, and even if it's, even if it's just, I, I appreciate the effort. I think that that is a good way. If you can't find anything, I you could say, I can see you've put a lot of work into this. You I put a lo lot of time into this. I appreciate the effort. I really, I really appreciate you coming here today. You putting this out for display, things like that. So you can, you can talk about the effort and, and the way that they are, um, that they are kind of putting themselves open to you. Um, I would like to offer a suggestion based on an inspiration of how Teresa McRoy has affected my uh, opinion on critiquing things. I, for the longest, longest time, as soon as I finished consuming a thing, wanted to talk about it. If I just finished a movie, if I just walked out of a play, if I just finished a book, whatever, I wanted to talk about it right away. Teresa likes to take time to process the thing and how she felt about it and how she thinks about it before she's ready to discuss it, which is, I think, now way better way to go about it. So I think it is perfectly justified to say to the person, you know, I'm still kind of processing it. Would it be all right to schedule a time to talk about this? Or like, can, you know, can let me think about it for a second and organize my thoughts. And then I will be prepared to like discuss this with you. Be and I think maybe don't say it that clinically, but I think like, well, let me go to the bathroom. And then we'll talk <laughs> about but something like take a minute so that like you have time to organize your thoughts It'll help everything go. Which will probably help it to feel less forced. Exactly. Because that way you won't just say like, I, I love your 
choice of font for the credits. But I hated all the characters in it. <laughs> but also, I love that it was only 10 minutes. Like, right? It's like, okay, right. well, don't. So taking some time to process your thoughts and, and your feelings. And if you're really serious about it, take notes. You know, write write notes down on a legal pad if, if you're really serious about giving the thing. But uh, I, I think, how do you keep it from sounding forced? Don't force it. Say something genuine. Like I said, yeah. I mean, even if it's just acknowledging the time and effort. Yeah. That's that's a, a genuine Just don't say this. Comment. Don't say this. I can really see what you were trying to do there. Nope. Don't don't do that. Because that's that means but you didn't. Is <laughs> the rest. I can really see what you were trying to do. Say like man, like I can you, you can really see like the time and effort and love that you put into this and like clearly like this is very important project, so like let's work on getting it to where we want it to be, you know that kind of thing. But I I think maybe avoid. Let's see what you were trying to do. Um, I think another good one is to state the common goal. I think that that's a good positive thing. Like, I know that we're really trying to get this presentation out there. That's a good positive thing, right? We are working together. Mm -hmm. We have a common goal. And then you can say, uh, but this section is too long and muddy. So let's take the time to correct it now. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S-C-A-S-T. Um, you can also join our Facebook group, Schmanners. Just search Schmanners. You'll find there's not a lot of other Schmanners. Um, let's see. You can go on MaximumFun.org and just click around and find a bunch of other shows. They're all amazing. You're going to love uh, at least, I think there's 32 on there. You're going to leave love at least 32 of them. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else, Teresa? Well, as always, I want to thank Brent, Brental Floss Black, for our theme music. And that is available as a ringtone where those th sorts of things are sold. Um, and also Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful banner and thumbnail art. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank a wonderful listener that sent me so many ice creams. Delicious, delicious ice creams from Astoria, Oregon. And the shop is called... Freet and Scoop. And it was delicious. Thank you so, so much. Um, I also want to say, Teresa and I have started a new venture, a new podcast venture called The Kind Rewind, where we watch and review uh, different forms of media. Our first watch is Buffy the Vampire Season 1. Wait, I said that last time too. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I keep saying Buffy the Vampire. <laughs> that is not the case. That's not the name. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. Um, and we, uh, have put out a couple episodes now and, uh, we're, you know, it's great. I'm having a lot of fun. The Kind Rewind is on iTunes or you can find it on Twitter. Um, let's see what else, what else? Is there anything else? Can you think of anything else? I don't think so. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We appreciate everybody showing up. It's just, it's nice to see you all every week. Hey, thanks. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.